Welcome to Win Wednesdays, an initiative of women in industry presented by the Roland School of Business at Point Park University. Our Women in Industry initiative is focused on educating and empowering women, accelerating the success of women-identified students and professionals, and engaging leaders, affecting conversations and encouraging allyship through elevating experiences. We have several different components of this Women in Industry initiative. Accelerating Women in Industry is an annual event that we hold in conjunction with International Women's Day. Uh, COVID notwithstanding, we have a campus speaker series and we are part of the virtual speaker series. That's what you're here for today. And of course, if you are interested in supporting our efforts to accelerate women in industry, you can support the WIN program as well. And you can always visit us on our website at acceleratingwin.org. I'm Doreen Saletti, and I'm here with my colleague, Sandy Mervosh, presenting the Win Wednesday series. And I'm going to turn it over to Sandy to introduce today's guest. Thank you, Doreen. Um, I'm, I'm really thrilled to introduce uh, Stacy Etherson to you today. I've known Stacy for uh, a number of years now, and I'm really thankful that she's willing to come share this really valuable knowledge with us today. Stacy has over 25 years of experience in the human resources field. She uses her consultative skills gained through working in the financial services combined with her generalist skills gained in volunteering in nonprofits to help small businesses and nonprofits become aware of strategic practices and tools that engage staff and improve the bottom line. In 2015, Stacy earned a Master's of Arts degree in Adult and Community Education from Indiana University of Pennsylvania. She also that year opened her own business with the encouragement from professors and friends HR Solutions for Small Businesses. She holds professional certifications from the Society for Human Resource Management, SHRM, CP certification, and World at Work, the CCP certification. This past May of 2020, Stacy completed the Duquesne University Coaching Certification Program and is a professional coach. She offers generalist human resources consulting and emerging leader coaching. Stacy also presents as part of the Community College for Allegheny County's Continuing Professional Education Program and other local business organizations. To encourage clients in the Jefferson and Indiana counties, Stacy donates 10% of the business received in these counties to the Carl A. Truens Athletic Excellence Scholarship, a scholarship she created in the loving memory of a great uncle who helped to improve the lives of youth through athletics. So I would like to welcome Stacy today and we're really anxious to hear you share more about this really important topic, coaching. Thanks so much, Sandy, for such a warm welcome. And, and thank you also to Doreen and Patrick for, for helping us today. Um, I also wanted to extend a warm welcome to any of your HR students who happen to be on, on the call. Um, I think now is really an exciting time to be in human resources. It may not feel like it um, at times, but it really is an exciting time. And with, with everything that is going on, there's such an opportunity to, to really make an impact for the future. 
And I also want to say hello to the other partners that may also be on the call as well. I wanted just to say a few words about what led me to um, enroll in, in the coaching program that is offered by Duquesne University. And um, I had attended a couple of the ICF, which stands for International Coaching Federation. Uh, Pittsburgh has its own chapter. It's a really vibrant chapter. And I had attended some of their professional development programs um, as I was opening my, my business. And I, I was really blown away by um, their commitment to lifelong learning, their commitment to helping others, and also how friendly everybody was. Then as I started to work with uh, clients, I, I also saw the need and, uh, and that led me to, to the program. And um, so uh, next slide, please. Um, I, I wanted to start with uh, a couple of questions for everyone. Um, is anyone still um, maybe feeling anxious or stressed by, by the events that we're experiencing, wondering uh, what the new normal is going to be like, or perhaps this is the new normal? Um, would you be willing to try an experiment with me uh, to take a mindful moment before we start the rest of the program? And the reason I'm suggesting that is many times uh, coaches will actually start a session with a client um, if the client agrees to actually take a mindful moment. And a mindful moment is really an abbreviated uh, mindful session. And, and so when I say a mindful moment, all it really is is taking three deep breaths. Um, and I, I would be glad to, uh, to, to guide us through that. And, and so I invite you, if you would like to, to participate in that, it's not required, but I, I would invite you to participate in that. Um, I find that sometimes we're, we're all coming from different points of our day, and it, it just helps bring our minds and settle, settle us a little bit. And I, I always find it really helpful. So I'll invite you to do that with me. I will guide us through that. And what it will be is three deep breaths where we breathe in through our nostrils, out through our mouth, and then if everyone would like to just count quietly or silently to themselves. And then you can share um, any thoughts in, in the, um, I guess it's in the Q&A is where we're, we're asking you to, to put any comments or questions that you have throughout the program. Um, okay, so if, I'll invite you to join me if, if you wish. And um, um, I'll ask everyone, wherever you're seated, to put your feet firmly on the ground, which I remind me to do that myself, uh, to place your, your hands in your lap. Um, I like to close my eyes. I find it's easier. That way I don't get distracted by whatever else is going on. Or some people just simply look down at their lap a little bit. And uh, so we'll take our first breath where everyone would breathe in through your nose and count silently to, your, to yourself. And then breathe out through your mouth. Breathe in through your nostrils. And breathe out through your mouth. Breathe in through your nostrils and breathe out through your mouth. Okay, well, well thank you. If there's anyone wants to share in, in the Q&A, please feel free to do that. And um, with, what, I won't go into a lot of detail about this, but really it's, it's so exciting to, to begin to learn more about the brain science that, that the deep breathing really does help calm our minds. And when our, cal our minds are calm, we're less anxious, we're less stressed, and we can really be more creative and, and more mindful and aware of others around us. 
And so, so thank you for anyone who, who decided to join me in that. Thank, thank you very much. Um, and so today we're, we're going to talk about what is coaching? And uh, there's obviously a coach, a client, and both the coach and the client have very distinct roles and purposes through the coaching relationship. And um, in terms of coaching requirements, I probably won't spend any much time on that particular slide. Uh, by the time we get to that point, we'll have already um, covered most of what is on there. Uh, we will spend some time talking about the benefits of coaching and um, I'll share a couple of my experiences. I'll also share an experience um, later on um, about a conversation I had with a, um, a client that I actually did some volunteer work for. And then towards the, the last section, we'll actually talk about, well, how do coaching and HR, how do they intersect? How do they meet and work together? Um, so we, we have a couple of slides uh, that we'll, we'll wrap up with that. And I, I do have two references for you. Um, the, the International Coaching Federation uh, has a website. There's also a Pittsburgh chapter. And the, the book that you see referenced here, um, some of my information today is actually coming from that book from, I probably should have indicated chapters one and chapter two, um, but I called that book out for another reason. And that the, the book has actually been edited by Sister Susan English, Dr. Janice Sabatine and Mr. Brown, Brownell. But Sister Susan and Dr. Janice Sabatine are actually two of the primary leaders of the coaching uh, Duquesne program um, from, from Duquesne University. And I feel like it, it's just really amazing to have such talent to know that we're being coached and mentored and how to become a coach ourselves by such talented individuals. And I, I felt like um, I needed to, to, to share that with you and also the fact that I, I am referencing some of the information um, from, from that book in the presentation today. Uh, thank you. Next, and, and so for those of you that would like, when you think of the word coaching, what, what comes up for you? Um, do you like, what, what do you think of when you hear the word coaching? And that, that's okay if there aren't any, any comments. If something comes up later, please feel free to, to enter into the Q&A or if there's any questions. Oh, leadership, okay. And, and Patrick, if you wanted to say anything more about that, that would be great as well. A leader that teaches you how to perform a skill. Ah, that's really, that, that's really, uh, really a great, a great comment. Teaches you how to perform a skill. And uh, where it says Coach Torbett, I'm, I'm not sure if you're a, um, okay. If you'd like to say more about that, please, please feel free to do that. The, the coach is not higher than the client. Um, and it really is a partnership of equals. It's thought-provoking, it's creative, and uh, the coach offers up questions uh, for the client to explore and to discover and to reflect, and all of this leads to the client um, making choices about what actions that they would like to take. Um, and, and so it, it does differ from consulting. Um, as the consultant, perhaps like some of you on, on the phone um, or on, on the call, when I'm the consultant, I'm the expert. I'm the one making recommendations. But that's not, not the case with, with our clients. Um, the client is the one who really does all the heavy lifting. Uh, they're viewed as really being resourceful. Um, and it's not my role to solve their problems. 
Um, although I'll, I'll tell you many times, and we'll talk about this later, sometimes clients do come initially to coaching to have a problem solved. Um, and, and so it's not, my, it's not my role to solve their problems for them. And uh, I'm not giving advice unless they would ask me for advice. They, they may ask for advice, they may ask for resources, and I would certainly provide that to them if, if they asked that of me. Uh, but that's not my primary goal going in, into the, the relationship. Um, let's see. Oh, and, and so, uh, th oh, thank you. Uh, the next slide would, would be fine. Thank you. And so co coaches often have a stand and, and um, it, it's really like a view or a position they take with, it, with their clients. And it's more internal um, than really part of the dialogue or the questions. But I, I love this picture. Um, beauty is one of my, one of my values. And um, it, this did come from, um, from one of the free Google sites. And uh, it does remind me of a bicycling trip I took several years ago in, in Holland at the height of tulip season. And you can see the, the tulips are all different colors and shapes. They're, they're in different um, stages of blooming. And that's, that's the way I look at my clients. You know, we accept this beautiful palette of, of flowers. We don't judge it. We accept it as it is. And that's really how I view my clients. Um, we're all in different stages of development. We all bloom at different times. And, and so this, this picture reminds me that that's my role to come to um, a session with a client to really be open, accepting, non-judgmental, and that we all have our own individual timeframes and timetables for how we learn and grow and develop. And um, thank you. Next. And so the role of the coach um, really is to collaborate with the client on what the coaching agreement is. And that, that agreement is really very important. Um, coaching agreements often begin with what we call a chemistry session. And besides deciding on whether or not it's a good fit, it's also about helping the, the client understand what is the role of the coach and what is their role as the client. And, and, and so during that agreement, it's really important to stress that it's a safe, it's to be a safe place for the client. Whatever is discussed is confidential. I'm not going to be sharing or no coach will be sharing anything with, with anybody else outside of the coaching relationship, unless, of course, the, the client would agree. Um, and it's really up to the, the coach to, you know, maintain that presence, be mindful, and really be focused on whatever the, the client is bringing to the, the conversation. And uh, coaches will use a variety of tools and it's, um, we're trusting that the client will trust us and, and actually use those tools. Um, and they do have, they do have a lot positive results. And in fact, I'll, I'll talk a little bit later about my experience with, with values. Um, values is one of the um, exploring values, exploring strengths are some of the tools that the coaches might use. And um, I'll, I'll talk about my experiences with that in a, in a little bit. Um, and, and so it's really collaborating with the client on what their goals and, and what their learning agenda might, might be. And we, we know that learning's not linear. Um, it happens at different times and, and it also happens, happens in relationship. Um, and, and part of another tool that, that the coach may ask the client to do is to really reflect and, and to journal. And uh, that helps to that along with the mindfulness and the conversations with the coach really helps bring that awareness to the client um, since we're not able to really change things that we're not aware of. Um, and also the coach commits to 
continuous professional development. And I will tell you that the ICF Pittsburgh has a really vibrant community. There are a lot of professional development programs, and then the coaches themselves also have other uh, programs um, and schedule time with each other to help feed each other, help build each other up, and to help solve coaching questions that may come up. And, um, and, and which of course lead, leads to the community. It really is a wonderful, wonderful community. And let me see if I had anything else here I needed to say. Um, another thing that throughout the coaching, the coaching um, sessions, the coach will often check in with the client to make sure that the client is getting what, what they thought they were going to get or what they need from the coaching relationship. And um, okay, next, thank you. So what would you like to know about the coach? Any, any thoughts about what would you like to know about the coach? Stacey, maybe you could talk to us a little bit about what makes a good coach or an effective coach. You know, what, oh, okay. what, you know uh, maybe a few of those qualities. Oh, okay, sure. And so what makes a good coach or what makes an effective coach? And but there are actually a, a couple of, a couple of uh, criteria, competencies, so to speak. And part of it really is, um, first of all, first and probably foremost, really wanting, wanting to help, help the other person. And I'll tell you from personal experiences, you know, I, I know what it's like to be a hurting person and need help. And I also know what it's like to have a hurting person across the table from me. And uh, so really just being, um, you know, being sensitive, wanting to help someone else. And, and then when you're actually in that coaching relationship, the first part of it is, and this is why it's so important for coaches to, to really have a mindful practice and why so many, many of them do, it's really just being laser focused on, on that person in front of you, that, that, that client. And, and as they're sharing, it, it's really important to have very strong listening skills so, so that you can um, hear what they're saying. Because many times when they, when they come to coaching, they come with a problem, but the, the, what they really want is underneath it. And, and many times they may not even be aware of what other, um, what other needs that they have. And we'll, we'll talk a little bit about that when we talk about the client. So it's, it's really just having that compassion for the other person. It's having very strong listening skills and here li listening for what is, what is it that they're saying so that you're able to ask about that. Uh, coaches will actually use the words that um, the client uses because we, we, we come with a beginner's mind. We don't really know the other person and we really need to ask if, if they use certain words, we need to ask, well, what, what do they mean by that? It's really listening so we can ask questions about how they're making meaning of their, of their world. And then it's also, um, and I just lost that thought, um, but besides the, the listening and being focused on the client, then it, it, it's, it's asking those reflective questions, asking them a lot of times being aware of body language when you notice a change in voice or a change in facial expressions, it's really being aware so that you can help bring that awareness to the person. Many times they may not be aware. And I had a client uh, last fall that was like this in, in our coaching sessions, she would change her tone of voice. She would change how fast or slow she was talking. Sometimes the facial expressions would change. And I would ask her about that. And, and at times she wasn't really aware of that. So 
those types of questions really getting beneath the surface is what's really valuable to the client um, because if, if they were if they were able to solve a problem on their own they wouldn't need the coaches but there's other something else going on underneath that they may not be aware of and that coaching relationship and coaching conversations which do take place over a series of conversations is what helps helps bring that awareness to, to the client so and you um, did get another question that came up was related to how you request coaching services. Ah, okay. So that, 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 that's really, really a, a great question. And, and so really, um, the, the ICF Pittsburgh website um, is one place where there are um, a list of, of coaches, exec, executive coaches, leadership coaches, wellness coaches um, within the Pittsburgh area. And their information and their bio is there. Um, and so people could 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 start there if, if they did if they did not know anybody who was a coach they could certainly start with the ICF Pittsburgh website to uh, get a list of of coaches and um, also the the national organization I believe the ICF um, International Coaching Federation probably on the national website there would be a link to other other coaches as well um, so that so does it does that help answer the question. Thank you. Yes. And oh, Sandy also added into the Q&A response your contact information. So that's out there as well. Oh, okay. Thank you. Thank yeah, you. Thank um, okay. Are, are, okay. Well, well, thank you. And then, so why does the client come to coaching? And I, I like these pictures because, and maybe it's because they, they, they reflect me. Um, you know, sometimes we, we know we're ready for a change. We know we need a change. Um, and so we, we may come to coaching because even though we know we need to change something about ourselves or go in a different direction, the picture below really explains it perfectly. We may not know how to get there on our own. And I, I love that picture. She, she, she's ready, she has her luggage, but she also has a map. You know, how am I going to get to whatever my goal or my destination is? And, and, and so that, that's why people come to coaching is because they, there's some change, something in life that isn't quite working out. It might be a, a life situation, might be a personal or business situation, and they just simply need um, to figure out how to reach their goal. And that there's a, um, I, ICF has a view of, of the client and, and that client is strong, capable and wise they've got that inner wisdom and they really know best what they need. They sometimes they just need help kind of finding out what that is. And so they're the ones when they come to coaching, they set the agenda. Um, they're the expert on what they want and what they need, not, not the coach. Um, and as mentioned before, it is a collaboration with the coach, um, willing to use tools, uh, doing the hard work. Um, and I'll tell you from, from personal experience, perspectives often shift. And uh, um, one, of my, one of my experiences in, in coming, coming, working with a coach last spring, um, I had actually started to work with, with my coach in the program as required, and then we continued on after. And uh, um, I don't know if any of you are like myself, but I feel like so many times in life we have looked at values. What are our values? And we went through that exercise again, but I felt like there was something more that I was missing. And I was really questioning myself about, well, am I making decisions based on my values or how am I making decisions based upon my values? And so that was one of the topics um, that I had discussed with, with my coach. And uh, the, the other thing I should probably mention, um, and this has happened to me, um, if the client isn't quite clear on what the goal of coaching is, 
the coach will help you work through that. And I, the, the, the second part of my coaching, um, that, that's actually what happened. I, I was really fuzzy, which by this time I, I was judging myself and saying I probably should have known to come with a, with a topic, but it wasn't clear. And, and so she helped me clarify that. The work we did though on, on the values, um, she gave me a couple of assignments so, so that I could really reflect. I had to reflect about how, what experiences did I have? How was I making decisions based upon my, my values? And really come up with some examples. And so I, I, we were able to look at, well, how was I making decisions based upon my values? What were the outcomes of that? And then she asked the really hard question about, well, was there a time or were there times when maybe you didn't honor your values? And, and what did that look like? Uh, what would it have looked like had you, you know, had you honored your values? And I, I think there was a third question in there. Um, did it take time? Absolutely. It, it took a lot of time to really reflect. And um, with those types of exercises, though, you learn so much about yourself and then you have a safe place to go and really talk about that. And, and it's, it's not that I went through every, everything that I had reflected and journaled on, but I really hit the highlights. And then she's able, the coach was able to, to give some um, insights in what she was seeing and hearing. And uh, the conversation back and forth, because it is a, a two-way um, perspective shift, and, and you, you, you do come out with a, a different sense of, um, and a different level of confidence having gone through that. So, um, and, and I think that the word is mindsets. That was, the, that, that was the other topic that we had worked through. And um, in, in that particular case, I had questions, you know, about mindsets. She, um, she had helped me to clarify what my goal was and had actually recommended a couple of uh, resources that were really very helpful as I was looking at fixed versus growth mindsets. And, um, and, and all that really comes, um, for, for me personally, I'm the type I need to get to know someone before I work with them. And um, I, I had um, met this individual over several times attending ICF Pittsburgh programs uh, through the coaching program. And, and so when you have that, um, when you feel safe with someone like that, you really are able to explore and uh, kind of get to the heart of issues. Now, another question that came up, um, you mentioned that often someone will come to coaching because they are stuck or they recognize a problem. But have you had clients who come to coaching without maybe overt recognition of a problem, but rather they're just feeling like they want to be the best that they can be and they want to continue to advance and, and continue to build on their success? Uh, I, I, yes, actually. In, in fact, with, with that question, I'm, I'm thinking of someone else that I had worked with late last fall and the individual, um, well, how shall I say, the individual had wanted to... Um, he, he, he wanted to work on, on improving communication skills within their, their particular department. And I don't want to judge the person. Um, at times, though, it did seem as though through the conversations, um, you know, sometimes, sometimes clients will want to put the, the focus or the onus on what somebody else is doing as opposed to how they are feeling, how they are responding, and what it is that they can do. And, and so, 
I'm, I'm not sure if I'm answering the question. And so really it, it's as, as, as the coach is listening to the, these stories, um, you know, really bringing it back to the person who's in front of you, not the people that may be peripheral to it, although that, that might be important, but really just to help hone in on what, what is it that will help that person in that particular situation. And in this case with the communications and, and by the, the time that we were, that we were ending our, our time together, um, he, he definitely was feeling like, communications were improving and he himself had, had made probably the biggest change in terms of, of, of how he was handling himself and bringing the others along with him. I'm, I'm not sure if that answered the question. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah, okay. absolutely. Okay, thank you. All right, and, and so the benefits, some of this we, we've talked about, but really it, it is transformative and I, um, having been on both ends of it, it's really just hard, hard to say that with, if you come to a coach with something to work on and you really have that shift in perspective or beliefs or mindsets, it really is transformative. And part of that is because you feel, you feel heard and you feel respected. And there, there's a sense that many times people don't have someone else that they can really be themselves with. And that's what the coach will offer is just really that acceptance and, and hearing, hearing what it is that the, that the client brings to them. And uh, we talked about values and strengths. Um, many times that the whole discovery process, we, we know um, like, like the pictures that we had shown with the lady in the map and not knowing where she was going. She, she knew where she was, she knew where she wanted to go. She just wasn't clear on how to get there. And really that's what coaching does. It helps you, helps you bridge that gap. Um, certainly all the reflection and the conversations with the coach help bring awareness to um, you know, behaviors, mindsets, uh, thoughts, and uh, we do, we learn to set self-directed learning goals. The, the coach may, may suggest, if you ask, what, what, it, what, what, what would they suggest? Um, but really, at the end of the day, it's up to us as adults to really decide on ourselves, what are our learning goals? And that, that is really something that, that, that um, you know, talking about the masters from, um, from adult um, from, from IUP, that that really was a, a turning point for me in terms of just setting self, my, own, my own learning goals, and, and which is how I ended up here in the coaching program at Duquesne University, um, and really being able to work towards achieving those. And in, in the end, um, we, we do gain confidence. Um, okay, and so the, the, this is a slide that I probably won't spend any time on other than to say, we've talked about most of this except the ethical practice. Um, ICF takes ethics very seriously with its coaches. Um, there is a lot of training that we go through. Uh, we're evaluated on, on ethics and um, there, there, you know, it, it is a process and we are held accountable for being an ethical uh, practitioner as well. And I think everything else on here that they've, they, they bucket all the competencies on, on key domains. And um, I think everything else we, we've, we've talked about on this slide. Okay, so another check-in point, what might be coming up for you? I have a question if I can ask. Um, if I'm understanding correctly, uh, it seems like maybe a lot of people go to coaching thinking they have a developmental area, but once they get into coaching, maybe that expands uh, into personal issues and it's really the role of the coach to you know, sort of guide that path to, to um, addressing the core issues um, that are really the issue. 
if I'm understanding that correctly. Um, but that, that's a great question, Sandy. And in fact, I, I think I, I'm agreeing with everything you're saying, and except for the, for the very last part. And what, what the first part is, is absolutely true. People come to coaching, perhaps it's a business problem, um, or perhaps it's a personal problem. It might, might be a life problem. Um, in fact, one, one, one particular client, which I, I think I'm okay in, in, in sharing this, um, she came to coaching to learn how to write a, uh, what was it, her elevator pitch. That wasn't really the issue. She knew how to write the elevator pitch. But really, as, as we went through the conversations, it was her getting comfortable with who, who, who was she as a business owner and what, what did she want to portray? So it's really, people do have an idea of what it is that they, that they want to uh, work on when they come to coaching and but it's really their agenda and, and so as the conversation as those facilitated conversations start to take place using the client's own words a lot of how questions a lot of what questions um and and really the exploration the coach will say will bring up uh, will help the client make other insights will bring up questions that may help them look at other things um but throughout the coaching the coaching arrangement goals do change and it, it's really not for the for the coach to say what the goal should be it's really for the client to say what the goal should be the coach helps make the client aware though of what it is that they're hearing and then the coach will check in with the client to ask about that and and, and then also throughout the coaching even through the individual coaching sessions if it seems as though the client might might be taking a rabbit trail the coach will say, well, how does that relate to your topic? Or is it a new topic that you want to explore? So it's always the coach is responsible for always holding that agenda um, and that topic for the client and checking back in to make sure that um, and, and the client sometimes they don't even realize that they've taken a tangent. Um, and, and so as, as the coach um, makes makes the client aware and then ask the question, how does this relate to your topic? Or is it a new topic? Or which topic would you like to, to continue discussing? Um, so, so has that helped? So it sounds like a coach often gets a client, helps a client to kind of stay on track and keep their goals in focus. Exactly, Doreen. Exactly. And, and then also giving the client the option to say, well, I don't want to talk about that. Let's talk about something else. And, and, and so it's really holding, their, holding that, that client's agenda, but then also helping the client be aware of when it seems like they might be shifting agendas and what, what, what track does the, does the client want to take. So from a kind of a bigger picture perspective, Stacey, what should a client expect to gain from a coach? You know, ah. big picture, what's the benefit for mm -hmm. that client? Why is coaching so important? Okay, so, so coaching is, is really important, important for a couple of reasons. Um, people come to coaching because there's some goal that they're trying to achieve that they're not really able to achieve on their own. And, and so the, the, they're able to make that, that transformation in terms of perhaps where they are today to who they want to be down the road. And, and so um, I'll, I'll give another example here, and this, this may, may be like a little bit deeper sharing, but what, one of the, the topics that I had discussed with my coach this year was really mindsets. And um, I, I was so glad that, that, that she, that she had, had, had uh, suggested that, uh, trying to figure out what my other topic in coaching was going to be. We had spent enough time together. 
And um, so that that was really that that was really insightful on her part to say, let's talk about mindsets. And without going into too much detail, there's a fixed mindset and a growth mindset. Uh, we had we had our coaching sessions. I read read a book about it. We were able to talk more about it. And I had an insight about myself that if you would have, um, I had an insight about myself that I did not realize that I really needed to have, if that's making any sense. And so, so for example, this is a really, really simple example, but it's a true story. And so like, I like to knit and several years ago, there was this knitting shop on Wood Street downtown. Um, love to go in there. And so I bought this beautiful uh, ribbon yarn, coral color, which like I'm wearing today. And um, I started to knit. But then I got to a certain point in this tank top where I got stuck. And I, even though I, I sought help, I asked other individuals, went back to the knit shop, but I got stuck and I could not get beyond that. So what did I do? I went back to the knitting shop, I bought another pattern, I bought more yarn and I started again. And I was fine until I got to that very same spot. And sadly, I did that three times. And it wasn't really until I was working with my coach, I did not come to her to talk about my knitting. In fact, I had forgotten I had even had these three projects in the closet. And, um, and, and so it, it just, it opens up as you're talking with the client and as you're reflecting, you have these insights about yourself and you're able to move beyond that. And um, so anyways, I'm, I'm not sure if I'm answering the question and maybe a little bit too long winded, but it, it really does the, the the safe space that you have with the coach really does open up discovery on your part so that you're able to achieve the goals that you want to do. And Stacy, you're also a business owner. So were you involved in coaching as you kind of got the business started and ramped up? Or is that something, if you weren't, is that something you, that could have benefited you? Well, and so actually, um, I, I did have some clients early on that had asked me to work with employees, asked me to, to coach. And that, that was really when I saw that need, um, was the other reason why I, I decided that I really needed to up my game and pursue the, the coaching, the coaching certification. There is such a need out there and, and many times people don't realize it. And in fact, the, in fact, I'm so glad you asked that question. I, I forgot I had another example. Um, and, and so in, in talking with this organization that I did some volunteer work with uh, last year or the year before, um, the, the director was talking about one of the one of the supervisors and how the supervisor wasn't addressing an issue with an employee and she really wanted to know well what did she say to the supervisor to get the supervisor to do what she's was told to do and now that i'm on this side of it with coaching i mean i have a, a strong bias that people don't not follow they don't ignore directions intentionally um, I, I felt very strongly that there was something within that individual that was getting in her way. I don't know what it is. I didn't have the conversation with the employee. I, I was talking to the executive director who was frustrated that, that this one thing kept happening. And, and so, so I said to her, and, and think about it, um, this, uh, I'll apologize now if this is something I wanted to talk about later, but, and so think about what, what, what do supervisors normally wanna do? Do they wanna confront that supervisor? how do they want to confront that supervisor about why they didn't do what they were asked to do? Or think about another approach. If you take the coaching approach and use the what or the how question, what I, what I had suggested to her 
um, is to, to ask that supervisor, what is it that you need to have that hard conversation with the employee? Because there's something really getting in the way. And these, during these, these situations happen all the time and, and people don't necessarily realize that. Um, and, and, or, or I said to her, perhaps you might want to ask her, what's getting in the way of you having that conversation? Because the supervisor is a wonderful person. I met the individual, very competent at her job. It's just that sometimes there's difficulty having these hard conversations. And so instead of criticizing the supervisor who can't have that conversation, how about helping them? Um, and really, you know, as the role, in my, my opinion, the role of a senior leader is to really help help individuals have those conversations. So, so is that helping, is that answering your question? Yes, thank you. And thank you for sharing the examples. I think that for, a, for our audience will help to clarify as well. Okay. Um, and and, and that, that's why also when we get towards the end, the, the resource that we have to talk about at the end, it really, to me, it, it, it can be transformational to supervisors and we'll, we'll talk a little bit about that later, so. Um, okay, so, so you might say, okay, wh why am I showing all this technology here? If you think about the old radios that, um, you know, unfortunately my father still has three of them in his basement, and then the TVs, that, that huge piece of furniture, at least when I was growing up, and now today we have all this wonderful technology. And so what I want people to think about is, think about the technology um, to create the radio and to create the TV and then the technology that's needed to, to go ahead and, and create all this wonderful um, iPhone and iPad and social media, which is changing, it seems like every six months or a year. And so when that nature of the work is changing, the talent is obviously changing. And doesn't it make sense that leaders also have to change? So I really wanted to just put that out there as we have the conversation about the uh, throughout the rest of the program. And, and so one of my favorite authors, Dr. Henry Cloud, you get the culture you create or allow. And uh, I think that comes from his boundaries book, boundaries for leaders. And, um, um, and, and so the rest of the, the presentation is really about a coaching culture in organizations. And following that through, pardon me, if you think about whether it's the technology, healthcare, all the startups that we have, that um, managers can no longer be the expert with all the answers. And I, I heard the, the uh, head of the Pittsburgh High Tech Council make a comment earlier this year um, on one of the, the calls with the um, Pittsburgh nonprofit organization where I, I believe she said, if I heard correctly, the environments are so collaborative today, they need to be collaborative to solve today's complex problems um, and that no one person really has all the answers anymore. And in order to really manage and lead in today's environments, we all need different skills, whether it's the supervisors or whether it's, it, it, it's, the, it's the employees. And so human resources, which is part of why I say it's an exciting time to be in human resources, human resources can really help to lead that change. Um, they can help to lead the change first by culture and, and then also leadership development, whether that's um, external, external coaching or actually developing um, an internal coaching program. In fact, I'll, I'll, I'll share with you that when I went through the Duquesne program last year, of the 24 individuals in our cohort, a third of them were in human resources. And I thought, wow, that, that to me is really amazing, which obviously meant that the other, the other two thirds were in, 
a wide cross-section of, of industries, but some of those individuals, and I, I can't really say who, but some of those individuals were creating or will be creating internal coaching um, programs within their organizations, that there is such a need for that for the leaders and for the other employees. And the other way that human resources can help is really just to help educate the leaders on that there's so much science now supporting coaching, especially, and I apologize, I misspelled neuro, it should be N-E-U-R-O, um, but the Neuro Leadership Institute has a lot of programs, many of them are free online um, with their online webinars, but really just to help us understand what is that mind-body-heart connection and how that understanding, having mindfulness practices can really help us be the people we need to be so that we can coach individuals to be who they need to be. And the outcomes for the organizations are awareness, we, we become more curious, curious, like the manager that, that I described, as opposed to being judgmental. Um, it certainly helps engagement, relationships, and, and so on. And, and with my earlier example there, just think about the experience of the supervisor. You know, for whatever reason, the supervisor isn't feeling comfortable that she can go and say, hey, I need help having this conversation, or I'm not comfortable, or whatever it happens to be. Wouldn't it be a great place if, if she could go um, and they're, they're all wonderful people, but wouldn't it have been a better experience for her as a, as a supervisor and also an emerging leader herself to be able to be curious and say, gosh, like, how do I have this conversation so I get the employee to do what I need and, and, and retain that relationship? Um, so are you, Stacey, finding that more organizations are beginning to move towards a model of internal coaching and using internal staff or often bringing in external coaches to support that internal staff? Well, so that, that, that's hard for me to, to, hard for me to say. I, I feel like I don't really have that, that breath to really know that, but I do know that the coaches that I've been involved with, um, a lot of them are doing pro bono coaching for nonprofits. Um, certainly my cohorts in, in, in the Duquesne program, the, the leaders in human resources are setting up uh, leadership programs. And really, um, in fact, um, one of the, the authors in the, the book that I had referenced at, at the beginning of the program, um, and I think I have her quote at the end, um, Amara Ross, she had said, really, the coaching conversation is the wave of the future, and that coaches will one day be working themselves out of a job. Um, but, and in order for the organizations many times to really do make to have that transformation that they need um, and, and to stay viable, they're finding that, that the coaching will, will really help with that. Um, so I'm not sure if I'm answering your, your question, um, but, but that, that's what I can share at this time. Thank you. Thank you very much. Okay. And, and so, so really, the, the Coaching Habit um, by Michael Bungay-Stanier, um, this for me really is a model, a great model for supervisors because it's, or, or leaders in general who, who want to get started in coaching. And in his words, it's simple, but it's not easy. And it's not easy because it really requires a, a transformation of the supervisor and really a change in culture for them, um, as opposed to being the expert, as opposed to being the one with all the answers, their role becomes leading by asking questions. And what it does is it helps to develop the employees while holding them accountable for problem solving. And that was actually the example that I had with, with um, my other nonprofit 
um, that I had worked with a couple of years ago and, and having that conversation with, 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 the, with the supervisor. And so he does give you these seven questions. I'm, I'm not going to go through them, but really, you know, in, in the case of the, the one supervisor who, who wasn't able to have the conversation with the employee, a good question might have been, what's the biggest challenge for you? How can I help you? What do you want from me? Um, and uh, those types of questions, as opposed to telling the person what they didn't do, it really puts the onus on the person to say, well, what is my struggle? Why can't I have this conversation with, the, with this employee? What is it that I need to do so that I can have that conversation? Um, I don't wanna put words in their mouth, but there's probably some stress, some anxiety. And by having the question in a safe environment, as opposed to judging the person, accept that they're having difficulty and, and help that person through that. Um, and, and then th this is the, the last quote here is actually from Dr. Dean, one of my professors from IUP. His comment was, we learn by doing and then reflecting on that doing. And, and so that, that's really, really a great habit. One of my, one of my early clients, um, she was really a great model with this, with, with, her, with her staff, and I don't wanna tell you who they are, but she required, and maybe it was easier for them because of the industry that they are in, but she did require that they that they journal and reflect on their experiences with each other and, and with their their audience and, and that they were that was really part of their review process was to was to be able to um, think about what they were doing and identify areas where they could improve what worked well what didn't work well where do I need to improve and uh, that was really a healthy way a safe way because everyone in the organization was required to do that it was about 50 people and um, so I, I think that's it. I'm the first one that I'll probably journal and reflect more if things aren't going well. Um, but it's also really very helpful to, to reflect on what is going well so that you can look back at that um, in the future and, and, and just see all, this, all the successes that you have. And the, the other part of it is, is just that the, the brain reacts so much differently when we're in a positive mode than a negative mode. So there really is a lot of benefit to doing that. Well, and that seems to connect nicely the discussion of reflection to what you were talking about earlier related to mindfulness and to being in the moment and staying present. Uh, so that seems like that would be good advice for someone to think about building in not that, just that mindfulness, but also that reflective practice. Exactly, exactly. That, that, that's a great connection. Yes. Thank you. Okay. And then, and then so um, this is what he says. And in fact, um, I, I love all, the, all these experts who have websites and YouTube videos. Uh, a lot of them are on YouTube. Very brief, very short, if people would like to learn more. Um, but what it requires of us is really to listen more to people and give less advice. And um, another good suggestion is, you know, if someone's coming to you looking for ideas before you give yours, say, sure, I have some ideas, but tell me what, your, what are your ideas first? to really get that person thinking and helping them to build the confidence that they, they do have good ideas, they can problem solve. And things that we talked about here, that, that whole self-care and mindfulness helps us understand and manage our own emotions and, and also that of the employees. And I think, I think we covered th these other points here. Um, so is it kind of, you know, in talking, especially about using this to change workplace culture, are you seeing a bit of a shift then from a more traditional management to leadership and leading versus supervising? I, 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 would, I, would, I would say so, yes. And um, 
I'm currently, my, my local chamber is currently reading um, the book, The, uh, the um, Power of Habit. And even some of the stories, even though they may seem dated, um, they, one of the very strong examples that they give is Alcoa, which I, I realize Alcoa is not Alcoa anymore. But to make that, that major type of transformation that they went through many years ago to really focus on safety when safety was such an issue, it was, it was more leadership as opposed to managing. In fact, they, they go through being open, being transparent, um, sh sharing when accidents would take place was really very important to the organization so that they could really analyze what happened and what to do to prevent that. And really being able to, to be transparent was important to them. At, at one point, Mr. O'Neill told the employees, if you see a problem, call me. And he gave them his, his phone number. Who, who does that? Um, but that to me was just really so powerful. And he, he said by, and these are my words, not his words, but he made it a safe environment and then he, he goes on to say that they weren't just calling me about problems, they were also calling me with their ideas. And he went and say, well, what, what's wrong with the leadership that they, or the managers at the time, that they wouldn't feel comfortable sharing, um, you know, sharing ideas for improvements. And he changed the culture that way to be more of a leadership. And then he goes on to talk about someone who actually hid hit a safety problem and they let, they let the person go just because it went against the culture, when it went against their values. So, so, so yes, I, I, I feel like it, it is a transformation. It may take some clients, it may take some organizations time to get there, uh, but definitely the smaller organizations are, are moving there, I think, more quickly. Okay, and, and so when we, when we think about, well, what, what's the challenge with implementing a new, a new approach where the, the supervisor um, isn't the one with all the answers, isn't telling people what to do, is asking others? Um, I'd like your thoughts on, on, on that as well. And for me, I feel like it's a culture change. It may, be, it may be a culture shift for some supervisors or leaders who are very much comfortable in that role of being the one with the expert with all the answers and the fear of, well, what, what does it mean that I'm, I'm no longer the expert or the person with all the answers? Um, what would anybody else add to that as well? And we can invite our listeners to you know, enter their thoughts or questions or suggestions into the Q&A. One of the things that comes to mind, Stacy, you mentioned the, the book, The Power of Habit. Uh, and so uh, it's great to be able to build habits that are positive, that add value. But at the same time, one challenge may be that we already have habits in place that might be somehow uh, holding us back or keeping us into that in that fixed mindset phase. But well, and, and, and that's true. And, and, and actually, that that's always a, a great a great conversation for for coaching. And really, many times employees aren't aware of that. Um, you know, my fixed mindset. I wasn't really aware of it. And, and sometimes we're not aware of it until we're, we, we can expose it, we can talk about it. And, you know, for it to be really in, in, in a safe environment. And um, um, so I'm, I'm not sure if I'm answering it the way, the way you, were, you were thinking, but um, it, it really, it has to be a safe environment for people to let down their guard and to be able to share. And, and then when, you, when it is a safe environment, and they see that it's not going to be held against them, they are then able to transform and move forward in a different way. And it has to be a supportive environment. One of my clients that, that I had referred to earlier that really 
um, encouraged her staff, required her staff to do the journaling, what I liked was that they had accountability partners. And I thought, wow, wouldn't that be great if we could all have an accountability partner where once a week or once every other week, we got together to talk about, hey, this went really well this week. This didn't go so well. And then talk through what, what could you do differently? And I, um, I thought that was just really very powerful, that gift that she gave her employees to be able to have a safe place to talk about where is it that I need to grow in development. And many times that, that's what happens through the coaching relationship. You do uncover things that um, I had no idea I had a fixed mindset about certain things. It was really very helpful to explore that and, and really um, begin to make changes. And it really is a gift to be able to, to offer that to people. I'm, okay. I would just like to share, I think, and, and Stacy, you can agree or disagree with me, but, you know, we're seeing a shift to sustainable HR mm -hmm. and we're seeing where organizations realize that it, they really have a commitment and an obligation to not just their employees, but society. Mm -hmm. And we've seen a lot in the last year where, you know, that corporate social responsibility and, um, you know, a commitment to society overall is very important. And I see where a culture that would be supportive and inclusive of coaching would really help to advance an organization using sustainable HR to provide that service and uh, empowerment really of the employees and ultimately they're going to have a better organization. Uh, the organization would be more sustainable and they would be able to support their local community. So I see Kochi really rolling into that whole organizational culture and into uh, sustainable HR. And you know, that's a great way to kind of summarize some of the big picture perspectives that we can take related to the importance and the value that coaching can add. Mm -hmm. We are just about out of time. So Stacy, any last minute thoughts, anything else before I turn it over to Sandy to wrap up our program today? Um, I think the only thing I have left to say was really well said, really a great summary there. And thank you. Thank you for the chance to be with you today. Well, thank you, Stacy, for uh, joining us. Um, I would like to thank everyone for joining Win Wednesdays. I'd also like to state that the, um, the book Stacy mentioned, she also gave us a copy of it, and we will be um, awarding this uh, book to the student who posted the first chat. It happened to be Edwin, one of my students. <laughs> so, um, Congratulations. Yes, I'm very sort of happy about that. Um, our next session is October 21st, and it is going to be on women as entrepreneurs. It, Jamie Annawalt from the Webeck East will be joining us. Uh, Webeck is the national organization that certifies women-owned businesses. Um, also, if you go to acceleratingwin.org, uh, you can see our fall schedule, and you will see that in December, we have a session um, that is going to really be linked to today um, and, and it's going to be about mindful business. So I think we're going to see a lot of connection. Uh, that session's not till December, but um, I would like to thank Stacy for joining us. I want to thank everyone that is behind the scenes that makes this technically possible. And as always, we really want to thank the Roland School of Business for enabling us to bring this vision to a reality. And please uh, join us at acceleratingwin.org to find recordings, future sessions, 
and to support our initiative of women in industry. So thank you. Thank you.